The reading is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, beginning at verse 25. Jesus has been talking to the disciples about the Holy Spirit. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Rosie. Now, we are fortunate uh, today actually to have Guy uh, speaking to us. Uh, This hopefully will not be the last time because you're welcome back any time after you leave. But Guy, come on now and we pray for God's blessing upon you you as you speak. And after he'd finished having a rummage, he said, right, I've had a look and I I can recommend that you get a crown. Now, I've never had a crown before and I thought, this really doesn't sound good at all. So I thought, I'll give him a good listening to and then leave and not return. (laughs) Very sensible. I'm sure we've all had the same thoughts. But what the dentist did is he talked me through exactly what the procedure was going to be. So he told me what a crown was and how um, I would be given some pain relief as they ground down the tooth and made sure that I took a cast of of my my teeth and got a cap to fit and what pain relief I was going to get and how long the procedure would take. and, And I thought to myself, by the end of it, I thought, actually, he's given me the courage and confidence to return and have my crown fitted. And I think this is true about difficult experiences that we know that are coming. If we are given advance warning and some advance knowledge of what is coming, it gives us that courage and that confidence to face it. Now our series at the moment is focused upon the Holy Spirit. And this passage could be entitled, The Promise of the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus was doing was preparing his disciples so that they would be intellectually and emotionally and spiritually ready when these things took place. So following on from Keir's talk last week, we're going to do a quick show of hands as everyone pricks up their ears immediately with any involvement, um, a quick show of hands as to whether we think the Holy Spirit is a who or a what. Is it a person or 
is it a thing, an entity, a feeling? So hands up if the Holy Spirit to you is a person. Okay. And if it's a feeling, a thing, an entity, so, yeah, about two-thirds to a third. So there is this, this even relatively even split. There's some ambiguity over the Holy Spirit. So I tested this ambiguity and I, I went to a friend. A lot of you know I work in um, public transport and we have colours and creeds of all description. And I went to Saeed Mohammed, who's one of my colleagues, and I said, what does Islam make of the Holy Spirit? Do, do they believe in the Holy Spirit? And I got a very categorical yes, but definitely not as part of the Trinity. God is God, very singular. But they considered the Holy Spirit uh, to be, in many ways, a lot of them believe the Holy Spirit to be the angel Gabriel. So I dipped into the internet to just check out whether this was sort of universally agreed. And the first thing I get in the internet when I, I put in my question was a rather frustrated and irritated person um, who said, when will Christians explain exactly what the Holy Spirit is? And I just thought, yes, there is just ambiguity over this person, this, this, this creation. But Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit a great deal. And he calls him the paraclete, which is a Greek word. Paddy will uh, get up and do part two. But it's a Greek word that means a person who helps another person. So, verse 25, the message verse, and it says, My friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. Now, Jesus understood. He knew that it was better for him to leave and be able to send the Holy Spirit. He knew that it was better for the disciples. And a bit later on in John, he makes this categorically clear when in John 16, verse 7, he says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now the great thing about writing a sermon, and this is where I can plug the occasional preacher's course, the great thing about writing a sermon is you get given a passage and you don't metaphorically give it a quick read and accept the first fish that comes out of the pot. You actually sit with that passage and you fish all day and you try and extract as much as you can. And over the years when I've watched Keir doing her exegesis and, and delving in, there's so much richness that comes out of the passage that you don't get if you just skim across the top. And the more I read this passage, the more I got this overwhelming sense of Jesus' love and concern for his disciples. He knew what was coming downstream. And let's face it, we knew what was coming downstream. A lot of it, extremely difficult and challenging. So he knew that his abduction, his suffering, his crucifixion, his disappearance, the resurrection, ascension, and eventually the coming of the Holy Spirit was going to be enough, if unprepared, 
to totally derail his disciples. You, you, you can imagine as a, as a child, as a father or mother looking after their children, if they know what's coming is not going to be pleasant, they try and give as much help and confidence as they can so that they are prepared. So as I sat with this passage, I noticed that there are five ways in which Jesus was preparing them by giving them advance warning. The first one is that they could expect the arrival of the Holy Spirit. So when at Pentecost it happened, they would be able to go, yeah, Jesus said this was going to happen. So there's some comfort there. The second is he was telling them things that were going to happen so that when they did, they would not be troubled or afraid. So verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Have great comfort. He's got it. He's got it. The third, which is referenced in verse 29, is a really powerful one. He said, I'm telling you things so that when they happen, it will deepen, deepen your belief in me. It says on verse 29, I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. Fourthly, this is such a loving one. He said, fourthly, I'm telling you these things so that when they happen, you don't need to worry about me. So he says, I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. It's going to be okay. It's so comforting. And then fifthly, is a really global task where he says, I'm telling you these things so that when they happen, the world will know them. So verse 31, But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. So the disciples would be able, like a giant jigsaw, be able to take all his earthly ministry and then the coming of the Holy Spirit and put all those jigsaw pieces together so that they would have the confidence and the courage, knowing the full picture, to go out and preach the gospel. But they couldn't do it without completing the picture. And this was Jesus preparing them in a real way for what was coming downstream. So, can we expect the Holy Spirit? Should we expect the Holy Spirit? Do we want the Holy Spirit? Because, let's be honest, um, we're quite good at doing life our way. And the danger is that you say, come Holy Spirit, come, or you might pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But do we really mean it? Because it might involve some transformation. It might change the way you live. And I'm a classic example of somebody who goes, I'm a bit of a control freak. So, I like to be in control, which is great. Holy Spirit, brilliant. If you could just sit over there, and I'll get on with my life. And I'm not sure if you remember, um, but back in May 2020, I did a thought for the week. And at the time, I was given this really strong analogy of, where is Jesus in my car? And if we swap out the word Jesus for the purposes of this talk, 
to Holy Spirit. Where is the Holy Spirit in my car? Where is the Holy Spirit in your car? And this, this talks all about whether we really want the Holy Spirit in us and working through us or not. So have we put him in the boot? So he's on the journey, but out of sight, out of mind, of very little influence. Or have we stuck him on the back passenger seat, where still a very little influence, but perhaps a little more present in our journey? Or is he on the front passenger seat, where there is the opportunity to guide and navigate Or is he in the driver's seat? Is he in us and we in him? So I'm just going to finish by something that's meant a lot to me is some uh, encouragement I got from Colin Matthews. And we were having a curry one night and I was going through one of those phases that I'm sure we've all had where I just had the overwhelming sense of I can't struggling to get my head around um, there being a God and Jesus being the Son of God and the Holy Spirit and the Trinity and my intellect just left my faith waning but I did explain I said but I can go to church and I can sing and I can actually feel very emotionally connected and, and, and touched by the Holy Spirit and he said Guy that's absolutely fine he said your intellectual connection and your spiritual connection don't have to travel at the same rate. He said, you can be touched by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, even if intellectually you think your faith is waning.